in a world where literature is dominated by dusty leather-bound books with no pictures. Three men dare to venture to their local comic shop to approach the counter and utter those three magic words. Make mine paperback. Welcome in and welcome back to Make Mine Paperback, a podcast about comic books. I'm Graham, the third party taskmaster. Giles. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> it's no longer nickname pending. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was no a, patent uh, pending, nothing. That was a clean read, huh? It's, it was. I, I say my first name, you fill in my nickname, I say my last name, and then we talk about what we just did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's a thing called post-editing. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Of course, this won't be edited. Um, the voices you hear next to me, uh, joining me as always, is our master of Marvel, Alex Shear, and our DC daddy, Steven Shear. Today we begin our theme for the month of September, cringe-tastic comics. We could have said cringe-worthy, that's a word that already exists. We said cringe-tastic instead. This week we have Alex's book on the theme. Alex, what are we talking about this week? This week we are jumping into The Amazing Spider-Man Sins Past run, written by J. Michael Straczynski, um, artist Mike Diodato, and colorist Matt uh, Milla. This is this is a fun little series. Essentially, uh, Mary Jane's auditioning for a play, gets the part. We see Peter's world kind of get turned a little bit upside down from a letter he gets from Gwen Stacy, who by this point is already dead. Couple little fun things here and there. Won't dive into it too much here, um, except that Peter does get attacked by mysterious attackers at Gwen's grave. However, before we dive into that, I want to know what you guys read this week. Steven, what did you read this week? Hold on a second. Read. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the drop there. Um, so I... Well, you got the, you got the drop. Awesome. There you go. Now I feel ready. So I read a few more <laughs> issues of Ice Cream Man. I'm up to issue 29 now. Almost caught nice. up to Curry. Oh, you're almost yeah, caught up. Yeah, the last, last yeah. few issues have been so good. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, all the yeah. issues are yeah. good, but I feel like like the the last few I've read have been just like next level, <laughs> like really makes you stop and think too. And besides being, you know, excellent horror anthology. And then also um, when I went to my local comic shop, there was just a ton of uh, new polls this week because they're doing uh so Harley gets a new issue every week this month for September because um, like our birth. So for the people who don't know, our birthdays are three days apart exactly <laughs> to the day, three days apart. So um I've been catching up on those because there's been like, like six of them since the last time I've gone in. So, when was uh, what's Harley's birthday? Three days before, or three, three days, days after, after you? September 11th, 1992 is when she first appeared in, um, the cartoon. Very yeah. nice. Very hey, nice. In case you all don't know, that means September yeah. 8th. <laughs> Not just any birthday. Right. Send, <laughs> Send your so, birthday uh, presents. Send your birthday presents to Steve. You can do that. <laughs> so uh happy early birthday to steven well when you guys hear this it'll be his birthday so uh happy early birthday to steven from your favorite host in toledo that's right your favorite host in akron um everybody knows that steven's favorite host lives in <laughs> uh moving on <laughs> so that's what i read what'd you read <laughs> this week um well actually you know what's funny I do, and I think I've plugged them before, but I'll plug them again. Uh, League of Comic Geeks. Uh, if your local comic shop works with them, you can actually set your pull list up on there, uh, which makes it really easy to have a have a pull list and you can and manage it online. Um, but even if your local comic shop doesn't use them, uh, you can set up a, a pull list that it won't actually function as a pull list, but it can remind you what books you're trying to pick up each week. Um, I pulled that up expecting to have a pull list this past week, and there was nothing on there. It said, you've pulled no books this week. And so the um, one book that I uh, I've been reading that I I finally got in because the um, my local comic shop didn't have it when I went to get it um, was uh, was public domain. This is issue three. This is Chip Zdarsky, and this is him talking about basically the way the comic book industry works 
and, and in particular the way the comic book industry interacts with uh, like the movie industry uh, at the same time and uh, and the way creators kind of get screwed in that process and so that book so so far has been really fun uh, and then I also got um, I mean since we read White Knight presents Harley Quinn um, whatever that is almost a year ago I've been reading all the White Knight stuff and so um, Batman Beyond the White Knight is going on right now and they did a little interlude kind of a flashback that gets a different title it's uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight presents Red Hood and so there were two issues of that issue two uh, came out recently and I was able to read that this past week and that's that's really cool because it's kind of combining the reimagining the the story of of, of Red Hood of, of Jason Todd and also um, reimagining the kind of the story of Batman Beyond and so uh, it's futuristic and weird and fun and I just I've enjoyed all of the I'd love to check that out so I'm guessing you said it's uh, like a different take on Jason so does that mean he's not he doesn't get killed by the Joker in this one well so. <laughs> We've we've seen a, a bunch of iterations where Jason Todd doesn't end up actually getting killed by the Joker, right? That, like that's kind of how he becomes the Red Hood. Um, but yeah, in this one, he really doesn't get killed by the Joker. It's like a uh, like like in the other ones, he doesn't get killed by the Joker, but he doesn't get killed by the Joker in such a way that they're pretty sure that he has been killed by the Joker. Um, in this one. I don't know that they even ever pretend that he got killed by the Joker. They're just like, like, yeah, he got captured by the Joker, and uh, and then he didn't get killed. Nah. So, um, so it is. It's a different. It's a different reimagining. Um, but this is uh, these two issues were the the origin of of the Red Hood. So it's Jason Todd putting on the hood for the first time, uh, and that's it's it's been yeah. pretty good. I'm excited to see now that they've introduced his backstory i'm excited to see them come back to not present day but future day um, for the uh for the beyond the white knight like regular series and see where it goes from there yeah, sounds cool what about you alex what'd you read this week honestly guys uh this week was pretty crazy for me uh a lot of miles driven uh so not much time to sit down and do some comic book reading so i didn't really get anything read um aside from just kind of our general reading for this week. So I apologize, but I will not be on the road for four days next week. Gotcha. So we'll, <laughs> uh, we'll get a little bit that's more. That's a tough admission, done. but try to do better, that's, Alex. That's right. I know, that's you right. Know. You can, uh, you can go yeah. to confession this week. <laughs> Hi everyone. I'm Alex. That's right. Hi, Alex. You're thinking of AA. I'm talking about Catholic confession where you go to your local comic shop and you sit in the booth with the owner this is, and confess this is that you didn't read any anonymous, comic sir. this week. <laughs> this is admissions anonymous, sir. Please, please respect my privacy at this time. <laughs> anonymous. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. So with that, Mr. Nickname, um, you tell me what the uh, what we're talking about this week. Uh, can't you read Spider-Man? Duh. <laughs> no, I can't read. That's why I read comic books. There's a lot of pictures. <laughs> okay. I just assume I spill in the text in my own brain based on what's going on. <laughs> That's right. I've always been very surprised how closely aligned with you guys it is. <laughs> you just got a really creative yep. imagination. That's all. That's right. Um, no, this week, obviously, uh, diving into a little bit of Peter Parker, Mary Jane Watson, um, Gwen Stacy, Aunt May, and uh, arguably one of the most cringe Spider-Man stories known to man. Um, I mean, I guess we'll just dive right into it. First off, we're, we're sitting here at this theater, right? Um, we see MJ... You know, for those who know her career and her profession, we see MJ doing this audition, and basically the director's like, "Hey, uh, you, uh, you, you just stop, just stop doing what you're doing, right?" <laughs> and uh, but then well, he walks up and he gives says, her "He says stop <laughs> acting, right?" Yeah, and and I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's me because I I did you know like high school theater and stuff. Not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but uh, I was I was you know I was I was pretty much on on. Uh, yeah, my they went ahead and put my star on the Hollywood yeah, Walk of Fame. Um, but uh, what did you call me? Uh, but I, I, I think a lot 
of people, I'm, you guys will have to have to tell me, but I think a lot of people have heard that stop acting thing, and it never means like give up on your acting career. What it means is stop trying to like put on this role and start sure. being honest, start engaging with the character a little bit more. Um, and she like takes it as stop acting, quit your career, and go back to working at McDonald's like you should. And I just I don't Boom. know any actor who would have taken that direction that way. Well, I mean, but that's that's where that's where the this starts with the the cringe, right? Like amateur actors, you know, such as yourself and myself and Steven self. Did you no. call me an amateur actor? I did. <laughs> you're an a, you're an AA. That's going to be right. the theme for the day. An AA. AA is the theme. AA is right. the theme. Nice. Um, it's like uh, what Sesame Street, where but they yeah. have the letter of the day. Well, we have the double letter of the day. Today it's okay. AA. Um, so anyway, amateur actors know know that, right? But that that's where I was going with that. Is she takes this so seriously, and she's like, "Oh my god, like I'm terrible." Like what you know, she's just running through all these things in her head, and she's like, "But I thought I was supposed to act. I thought I was supposed to, you know, whatever." Well, and the director comes up to her and he says, he says, I thought I told you to stop acting. And she's like, yeah, I got yeah. it. I'm leaving. And yeah. he's like, he's like, no, yeah. that's not what I meant. And like, <laughs> like all, every little thing here becomes like a, a dramatic scene. That's it's where the cringe yeah. factor, I think, comes in on, on this uh, yeah. this story arc is that everything is a it was a soap opera. <laughs> and so she's she's running through this. And then we cut to the scene where Peter's like, well, how'd it go? And we and we see like. Tears yeah, she's, running down she's her crying. eyes. She's yeah. crying. Yeah. So it's like, ah, shit. And she's like, oh, I got the part. And you're like, how did you go from, like, thinking your career's over to I have the part? Like, I, I, okay. <laughs> so that's already just, like, step one of, of the cringe in this book, right? It's just so back and forth. And then, obviously, they're celebrating, and they go and celebrate with, uh, with Aunt May, who when i talk about the details in this like the details on the faces are so over exaggerated on on these characters like you look at aunt may's face when she's looking through the letters and her eyes are like just <laughs> almost creepy yeah well, if, well, I just, you know what i'm talking yeah, about I'm, the yeah. one panel i know what you're talking about when she's like looking over the letter i have it up right now it's on uh i don't know what page it is but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah very dramatic facial features for sure <laughs> That's right. Well, this whole yeah. thing is dramatic. All of the art is you're like, wow, there's a lot of a lot of shadows yeah. here. Like these people have the deepest wrinkles of anyone has ever had. <laughs> <laughs> They're endless chasms. <laughs> so we're, uh, you know, as we as we explore or as we go on, right? She, you know, her with her, you know, crazy eyes is like, yo, Peter, come in here. Like, you got to see this. And she hands him this letter and it's from Gwen Stacy. Again, as I mentioned in, earlier. At this point, Gwen Stacy is dead. So, you know, it obviously sends them all into alarm. Like, what is going on here? Um, so they're freaking out. And did, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but, like, the envelope, it's, like, sent from, like, France. It's yeah. not sent from, you know, New York. It's not sent from anywhere else. And, like, he's living in New York. I mean, the address, the envelope says that, right? You know, he's uh, Forest Hills, New York. Um sent sent via aunt may or whatever um you care of aunt may yeah well yeah yeah so it's just to me it's just very what is was going on like that was my first alarm but i think you know obviously as a reader i'm interpreting this letter differently than a fictional character is so he sees the name glenn stacy and he's freaking out he's like oh my god what's this you know what's this about but for me that was the that was the red flag to there's something up was the fact that we saw Gwen Stacy's address in France and not in the United States. So, so you're thinking he says a red flag. So you're thinking, was she just not ever in France? It was just that, was that, you know, at a different time in her life or something? I mean, maybe, but like, I mean, as, as, as you guys know, we, we read into the comics a little bit further, right? The, this this letter was a setup. Like, I mean, the letter was penned by her, sure, but like this this letter and the timing of it was all a setup to kind of lure Peter to uh, into a trap. 
Well, and he po- he points that out a, c- a couple of pages later. Like the the return address on the envelope is from Paris, France, but the postmark is New York. So mm-hmm. the uh, he knows that it was sent. It, it was written in the past, but it was sent recently. Um, and I, I think the the postmark date is actually the the print date of this comic. The date the comic actually came out. So um, it was sent from the city like very much that exact day or, or the day before something like that um where he's uh he's going i mean this is from paris and i remember when gwen did live in paris but also it, it clearly wasn't sent from mm-hmm. paris <laughs> mm. yeah so you know I'll, I'll just continue on here um we, we see this a lot too and i think this is something that they they kind of adopted in the first Spider-Man trilogy with Tobey Maguire. They, there's a lot of conversation outside between Mary Jane and Peter Parker, where they're just outside between two houses. And I'm immediately thrown into this idea that the back of this Aunt May's house here is, is very much drawn similar to aunt may's house in her tiny house in um amazing or in the first spider-man trilogy number two because there's the tiny fenced in yard there's the i mean it's just to me it just feels very much like that i digress of course so we uh (laughs) (laughs) um i just it's just again a little detail i picked up on and i just kind of noticed but peter kind of you know he has this flashback he's like you know i fought the hulk and i I barely, barely lived. Um, and, you know, we move forward and we see, you know, the Green Goblin is, like, essentially torturing Gwen Stacy. And w- we see this scene where Gwen Stacy dies. And this is, again, I mentioned this to you guys in the pre-show. This is kind of depicted this way in Amazing Spider-Man 2, the Andrew Garfield uh two movie series where he shoots his web to try to save her, but, but he can't. And so I think, you know, for, for him, you mentioned this, Graham, he talks about there, there's a couple different things that are off on this letter and that somebody is toying with him, but he's gotta, he's gotta address this. Yeah, exactly. That's the, he notices like like there's stuff on this letter going on but it's it's something about the letter itself is is Gwen apologizing she's saying like oh, Peter I'm so so sorry I'm so so sorry and of course it sends him into a tailspin because his his dead girlfriend has sent him this thing uh, <clears throat> also I, I just want to go back because now I'm thinking about it Mary Jane being in this play like plays a significant role in this storyline and then it doesn't like it takes up a lot of pages but it has no influence on the story no <laughs> so, none whatsoever and so like i'm like why i keep going back like why like essentially we have like an issue and a half of just mary jane in the theater and yet it doesn't move the story along at all it's just for us to see mary jane growing as an actress <laughs> Which I just think is a bold choice for the for the yeah. writer to be like, yeah, let's spend a lot of time on this acting stuff. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting, especially since it doesn't um, have any bearing on the the story. Although we do get some uh, some good cringe cringe worthy moments from it. Um, but speaking of the letter, <laughs> um, I don't think we talked about it. Plus, she only gets half of the he only gets half the letter too. So that's even more cause for concern. Yep. You know, like where would you? Right, it, it's definitely cut off, and so that we're left to wonder: Do the people who sent this letter are they purposely manipulating him with only the the first page, or do they only have the first page? That is that the yeah. reason. Um, and then, what at the end of this first issue is that when Mary Jane, at some point, Mary Jane points out like there's impressions on the back of the page. You could take the, you could like figure out what the second page said based on these impressions. And Peter's like, I couldn't use the old pencil trick because it would ruin the paper. So I've got to take it to my forensics lab expert. Which, again, is like it feels like you're doing too much here. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a lot for a little reveal. Yeah. 
yeah, again, the forensic specialist in on it. Yeah. But before we before we get to the like the end of this issue, we see Peter at the end of and at the end of it, it's Amazing Spider-Man number five oh nine. Um, mm-hmm. At the end of this issue, we see Peter goes to visit Gwen's grave, basically just to be like, Gwen, why did you write me this letter? Like, what does it mean? What did the other pages say? I'm so sorry about your death. I still blame myself. And then he feels his spider sense feels the presence of two other people, and they feel the same to him. Both both energies feel the same. And they come at him, and we see they're both, like, ninja-clad individuals trying to kill him. And um, we can tell they're, they're one of them's a man and one of them's a woman because one of them has boobs. <laughs> that was a good clue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so then, then, like, Peter has to fight back, like, just enough to escape without turning them off that he's Spider-Man, which then, of course, they're like, he's yeah, definitely Spider-Man. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> that and then uh and then we see the big reveal at the end the one assassin takes off his mask and we see his face and we know exactly who he is except no. i didn't i didn't recognize him it felt like a big moment and i was like i don't am i supposed to know who yeah, this mask guy reveals is in general it's supposed <laughs> to be like a significant event but i'm like yeah i was like i don't know <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know who you are it's the uh i don't know if you guys ever saw the episode of uh of Justice League, or it might have been Justice League Unlimited, but that that cartoon where um, Lex Luthor and the Flash trade places for a day, and uh, Lex Luthor is like, "I'm the Flash now," but like, you know, and this is this sucks because I was about to do my evil plan with the Legion of Doom, but at least I can figure out who the Flash's secret identity is. And he goes to the bathroom and he takes off the Flash's mask and he goes, "I have no idea who this is." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, why would I think that out of all the, you know, the, the 7 billion people on the planet, I would take off this mask and I'd be like, I know exactly who this guy is. <laughs> it doesn't help me at all. Yeah. 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 Peter <laughs> Parker's like a nameless person. So like taking off his mask would mean nothing. Yeah. But yeah. Unless you happen to be like a big fan of newspaper photographers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you know, that's like all the trend. Well, you know, initially, so, like, I thought, like, like one of them was, like, a Deadpool. Or, like, a Deadpool yeah, and, like, a Lady Deadpool or something. We do, we do get kind of that, that like, body shape yeah. and that mask. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, and then it was very you know, it was very quickly realized that, oh, maybe this is just, like, a stealthy Black Panther with, you know, machine gun. <laughs> um, you know, like, the machine gun belts or whatever. But then, like, it's clear that it's, like, none of those and it's just purely bad guys so you know it's uh yeah i don't know it's uh it's a tough one because you want to expect that these are going to be really what i think that they're probably just based off of their looks and whatnot their former like hydra agents or former shield agents or like hydra agents just based off their appearance we we definitely get that that secret agent vibe from them right they're like Mm -hmm. they're like ninja assassin whatever people and kind of i mean this book came out in 2004 and and i think at that time there's a lot of comics here coming out with just like the generic assassin who looks like this like like we see these guys a lot (laughs) they're they're often henchmen or like sometimes they're like you know really big names but in disguise but this is like this has got to be the most common person that superheroes fight in this era is the like nameless black clad um, ninja assassin person and like mm-hmm. which which makes it a convenient disguise for like heroes on occasion um which is so like we occasionally we see heroes dress up like this but uh yeah it's it, i think the whole point is anonymity like we're not supposed to know who these people are which makes the mask reveal at the end even more confounding. <laughs> like, yeah. like they spent yeah. all this time like making these people anonymous, and you're like, oh, okay, cool, big reveal. Here we go. Nope, no yeah. idea. I have no idea who this guy it's definitely is. Definitely too early. I mean, because like so far, what we've read in the story's been just like I don't know. It's not been, in my opinion, so far. I mean, we get to the cringe later, but so far it's just been kind of like uh, I don't want to say poorly written. It's just like the writer like takes like makes decisions that don't quite make sense and to me this is like one of them it's just like i think i think the reveal would have been way more effective later on in the story once we you know learn who they are but it's like we have to know who they are before the reveal means anything it's like it you know like a mat like a mask reveal for a character you haven't met yet isn't very exciting 
<laughs> right, exactly. It's just like, I yeah. don't... Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and that's the thing, again, you know, we talk about how cringe this story is. That's just yet another example of just how poorly the, this story is written, how it's kind of put together. It doesn't... It it makes you kind of scratch your head looking at it. You're like, mm, this doesn't feel right. And yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of how it is through the whole series, right? It's very much not a, I mean, it's linear because it kind of tells a story kind of, but it's like, you're just very like, this doesn't feel like Spider-Man. This doesn't right. feel <laughs> like, and and that's, that, that was really my initial thought reading this whole thing. I mean, we'll continue on of course, but it's it, that, that was really my big takeaway from all of this is like, it's it's Spider-Man in name only to me. It's not Spider-Man in 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 right in in well, construct. Just, yeah, you know, anything and like it's that. just you know it's it's pretty amazing when you think about it. I mean, this is issue five hundred and nine of just one of Spider-Man's comic series. So it's just yeah. the fact that they got that many writers to be that consistent. You know, it's, it's pretty amazing. So there's some there's some stories that are bound to you know slip through the cracks that aren't necessarily spider-man like just because some writer picked it up and you know thought that this was their take on spider-man because you know as we progress this month we'll see some more examples of that just kind of like writers taking you know liberties that you know not sure how it made it past the editor well and yeah i mean absolutely to your point there steven you know there's a lot of things in it that make me wonder how and i'm just looking here at the now the second issue you know there are things in it that you're just kind of like, how did that slip by? Yeah. And <laughs> like, even, even like there's just some cringe lines in it too. Like they're like kissing and Mary Jane's like, you're smudging. And he's like, I know deal with it. Like, it's just, it's like, that just feels unnecessary. It feels out of place when they're trying to have a very serious conversation. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's kind of like what we, uh, Graham was talking about the acting. There's some filler in there. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll continue on. Um, and we see Peter gets another letter in the mail. Um, and this time it's got a couple photos. And it's a photo of Aunt May with a guy holding groceries and Mary Jane with a girl looks like a map, whatever. And then inside there's a note that says we can kill them whenever. So it's clear somebody is out here torturing. Yeah. Well, they're trying, they're trying to let him know like, Hey, we can be, we can, we can mess up your life. Not just, not just like your individual life, but we can mess up the people you love. And we we're close enough to you that we can ruin your life before we kill you. But, but trust us, we are going to kill you. Yeah, it's just like a classic, <laughs> you know, like movie trope where the, the like the the person making the threats is like sends pictures of the family just to prove that they know who who this person is. You know, like serial yeah, killer exactly. vibes so far. <laughs> and then, so, I mean, obviously now Peter's uh, he's concerned, and so he heads over to this office building, whatever. And he gets Lamont to join him on the roof and kind of go over things and say, hey. Which, who who is this character? This, this, this like, we, Robert we Redford looking guy. Yeah, this. well, that's, that, that's probably who it is. It's Robert Redford just named Lamont. Well, I'm positive the model for this. I mean, like, obviously, Redford didn't come in and strip down for the artist. But, like, I'm positive the Maybe model for this is, uh, is Robert Redford. But who is this character? I have no idea. Your guess is as good as mine, right? It's Robert and Redford. So, <laughs> okay, so yeah. in my mind, this is Robert Redford from The Sting, and uh, he's been conning the police force the entire time he's been on it. Um, m- moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so so he comes this guy. This is where we get the forensic thing, and basically he's like, I, I webbed this to a steel plate, and the only way you can rip it off is if the uh, – is or the only way you can get the letter off is if you tear the letter. And so if the letter's torn, I'm going to come after you and your family. 
And you're like, Jesus, Peter. Like, take yeah. it easy, buddy. You're asking this guy to do you a favor, and you're like, and if you don't do it the way I like, I'm going to kill you and your yeah. family. I, that's, I, <laughs> like, the, the, whole, the, the whole motivation for this whole story has been there are assassins who are going to come after Peter and his family. And his move is, I need help, so I'm going to make the same threat to the guy who's my buddy. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, uh, come yeah. on. <laughs> that, that's kind of what, um, <clears throat> that's one of the moments that I would I would have highlighted in the, the, you know, when you were talking about the cringe moments. Definitely Peter's threats, because I think he threatens people in the first, in 509 as well. And some of his, Peter does not do well yeah. with threats. <laughs> like, it's, you can, it's a few threats where he's like, yeah. I'm going to shove my yeah. web shooters. Well, yeah, it's just like not Peter's move. So it's just like so weird to hear Spider-Man making threats. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's. I mean, it's it. It's like edgy and like it's yeah. the early two thousands. Everything's yeah. got to be edgy. He's a he's a hard cop that crosses the line. <laughs> so, so we've got this this cop who's gonna run the forensics for him, and basically Peter's like, I'm gonna kill your family, and he's like, Yeah, okay, I'm just gonna do this for you as a favor, but like also don't kill my family because that would be rude. Yeah. <laughs> so then he takes great care to get this forensics done in the meantime of course peter gets into fights and all kinds of nonsense um but the uh now is this in the meantime while he's getting this like letter no that's not it's not yet right he gets the letter he gets it back and it's basically we we can't pull all of the the language from the letter but basically gwen is saying like i'm pregnant is is the, yeah. the bulk of what we get from the letter that's the um, gist of it right yeah it's that hey i'm and, pregnant and we know that this was written a while ago. Um, now, how long ago exactly is impossible to know because the issues where this stuff, like, supposedly happened occurred in the 70s. Like, the death of Gwen Stacy is 1973. So, the um, we're like, and this is 2004, so this either happened 30 years ago or it happened yesterday. Comic book timelines don't make any sense. No, not <laughs> so, at all. So we uh, we're not really sure how long ago this happened, how long ago this letter was written. It seems like a while ago, uh, but who knows? Um, the uh, so then we have he gets his letter. Afterwards, he's like, okay, well now I have to like make sure that these kids are actually Gwen's kids, mm-hmm. and and this time we're like, why does he? I I guess my first question was. Why is he making sure these are Gwen's kids instead of making sure that they're his kids? But yeah. I feel like that was supposed to be a reveal for the audience later. But it's one like the first thing you could do you would do is like, okay, so he's assuming that the saliva on the envelope is one of the kids. Which like I think is a big assumption, but okay. <laughs> also, it's 2004. They have those little like sponge things that you can run over the you know, envelope it's not like those things were invented yesterday they've been around a while so right. like these people didn't have to lick the envelope so i it seems like they probably wanted him to get their dna um it seems like that but then he this is my favorite cringe part in this is that he digs up gwen stacy's grave yeah <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna dig up gwen stacy's grave and he's like yep she's definitely in there and then also he's like let's take a dna sample and you're like, goodness gracious, I, this guy. Yeah. Why are well, we doing like, this? I understand comics yeah. can be like fun and, and cool and stuff, but every once in a while, you know, the people in it still have to act like people. And I just can't imagine there's yeah. there's like <laughs> many people that are going to like exhume the body of, you know, one of their exes. <laughs> this is, this Peter Parker is insane. He's like, what? what's the first thing I'm going to do when I get this letter? I'm going to threaten a cop and yeah. exhume a grave. <laughs> like goodness gracious <laughs> it's somewhere along the line these kids and and we also notice like right away that these kids are not as young as they should be right they're, they're way older than they're supposed to be based on again the timeline though is is awfully fuzzy but peter tells us they should they should be children um mm-hmm. but they're obviously not children so they're growing way faster than they normally would also they're definitely Gwen's kids. Also, he ends up taking the mask off of the uh, the one girl who we, we find out their names are Gabriel and Sarah. Um, and he, so he takes the mask off of Sarah and she looks exactly like Gwen. And he's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, that confirms it. Also, the DNA, DNA test results. But this definitely she looks exactly like Gwen. 
she's definitely Gwen's daughter. <laughs> Well, and then, like, and this is the moment where he, like, goes home and he's, like, this... And, and at this point, Mary Jane has, like, found this translated letter. And uh, and he's, like, Mary Jane, I know I shouldn't have kept it from you, but I swear they're not my kids. Like, Gwen and I never. And she's, like, I know. I know you never. And you're, like, what a weird yeah, thing like to know. Yeah, like, about your son. Or not <laughs> like, son, like, but your person you're looking after. Yeah, your husband. <laughs> he's, you're, like, yeah, you know, you know that college, the girlfriend you dated in college? That girl, I know you never <laughs> slept with her. <laughs> I mean, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the, there are there are superheroes who I believe have never had sex. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure Batman has never had sex. Um, I'm pretty sure Batman has had lots of sex. I'm pretty no. I'm pretty sure Batman, Batman has never had sex. He he seems no. He seems like the kind of guy who picks up women and then has like other things on his mind. I've got a I've got business to attend to. And then no. he goes and like does Batman stuff. Or he goes and like no. hangs out with Alfred for a while until the girl no, leaves. Batman fucks uh, and he fucks often. <laughs> no, heroes That's, don't do I was that. just gonna throw it about Catwoman. <laughs> 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 yeah, we even get to Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. No no no. See that that's the thing. No, that's the thing. Tony Stark definitely has sex. Oh Tony Stark Batman is a man do- Batman doesn't have sex. Batman does not have sex. Um, Clark Kent has sex, but he has sex like with the p- woman he's in a relationship with. Clark Kent has never had a one night stand. He's never like Seriously? even approached a woman he's not in a relationship with. Um, I don't know. The I, uh, I, I Peter Parker. Peter Parker has sex. I guarantee you, he's a man of science. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he's got more important spider business to take care of? Come on, he's a very smart guy. He's like, you know, he's he's in the in the smart guy stuff. And also, once he becomes Spider-Man, he's jacked. And you're like, you're like, okay, so he's super smart. He's in all the science programs. He's inventing stuff. Um, he's like, he's just just shredded. Um, and also, by the way, ladies, he's artistic because he takes pictures. There's no chance. And, like, that, like that's the thing. I mean, that's the same thing we say about Batman, right? Is Batman has all of the things. He definitely attracts women. But the thing is, Batman doesn't sleep with women because he's, he's like, he's stuck in this perpetual, he's a child, right? The night his, mar- his parents died, he's still, he's still that kid from back then. <laughs> so he, he has this perpetual guilt where he's like, I'm a child, and I, I think being with women is naughty. And so he's not going to actually do anything. I think we have uh, very <laughs> Whereas, different ideas of what Batman Whereas, gets up to in the Batcave. Exactly. <laughs> The man no, hangs I'm not saying the- Batman doesn't touch himself. <laughs> Batman definitely touches himself. <laughs> he sells urges. <laughs> yeah. Everybody has that's, needs. That's why Alfred is like, I know this is a cave, but could but, you not treat it like a cave? But you really think this, uh, Catwoman... This is a bat cave, not a man cave. You really think Catwoman would stick around, though? Dude, Catwoman sticks around solely because of the D. Yeah. No, Catwoman sticks around because she's in love with Bruce Wayne, but also she gets a little D on the side. (laughs) (laughs) And a little V. Catwoman's not above, like, you know, hanging out with some beautiful ladies. I mean, I'm not either. They're just against hanging out with me. That's fine. Well, that's that's been proven. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about? Spider Man <laughs> getting laid is is devolved. Oh yeah. My so, point is Spider Spider Man definitely gets okay, laid. Is so my point. Actually, is my point. But no, I, I do want to talk about since we're talking about, you know, who's getting laid and whatnot. And uh another moment in this in this comic or in this run that's just very cringe and it like we see Gwen Stacy, you know, getting it on, right? And then all of a sudden, it's the Green Goblin's face. And it's just, it's, I don't know, just to me, it's just like... Do we actually see that? Yeah. Where do we see? Where is yeah, that? I, I missed that. that. <laughs> Pay better attention next time. Don't just skip the sexy parts. Yeah, we got a sex um, scene in a Spider-Man comic. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in issue 512, page 18, boys. Okay, here we go. 512, page 18. There's no boobies here. I didn't say there were boobies. I said there is that she was getting it on. Oh, so it's taking forever to load. <laughs> oh, okay. No, but I think I don't think this is actually 
I mean, it's, I don't it's think a, this is actually it's her. Dream it's, it's well, this is well, it's not a dream sequence. This is it's Peter imagining well, yeah, what yeah. what happened, right? Because we we see all oh, of the stuff yeah. that's actually in the past is that is that sepia tone like stuff, and so this stuff do, doesn't have yeah. that coloring. So we know it's not actually from the past. Yeah. This is um, this is Peter imagining what it would be yeah, like. Yeah, because then in the next, but still, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like yeah, him going through his brain and just the terrible things that um, his ex got up to. I mean, so so we have the we have the Green Goblin face there, but the the Norman Osborn face next to that is creepy. Like, come on, really? There's no chance that Gwen Stacy was like, "That's the guy I want to have babies with." Yeah, put like, a baby. I mean, in. Look, look at look at the way he's biting his lower <laughs> lip. Like, come on. <laughs> yes. And there's a part earlier where, where she's talking about like, oh, the, he just had that that strength and that magnetism, and you're like, come on. So, <laughs> anyway, I think I think we kind of like you know jumped to jumped over the point, and now we're kind of talking about it in reverse. But the point is, Peter talks you know talks about the uh, I, I saw the letter. It said pregnancy. Mary Jane's like, yeah, I already saw the letter. Um, Peter's like, I swear I didn't have sex with Gwen. <laughs> MJ's like, I know, <laughs> which is insulting, but okay. <laughs> and she's like, no, no, no. Well, listen, listen, I know because I walked in on Gwen threatening Norman Osborn uh, on that day and threatening him and saying, like, you leave us alone or I'm going to tell your board of investors that you slept with such a young girl like me and you have, you know, these these illegitimate twins as heirs and the... Uh, and all of this stuff you never get to see your kids and uh and he's like i definitely get to see my kids or else i'm gonna tell peter and she's like you're gonna tell peter i'm gonna tell peter (laughs) because like she's like he loves me and he's gonna take care of these twins and uh yeah and so at the same time mj reveals all this to peter because she's been listening in on on that conversation way back when and that same day the goblin takes gwen stacy takes her up to the uh What's the bridge? The George Washington Bridge? Is that where they I go? Think so, yeah. Um, but takes her up to the bridge, and of course, it's the famous scene where he he throws her from the bridge, and uh, Peter webs her and and saves her life, except he doesn't. Um, and the uh, and so we're we're given to understand this is kind of rewriting the past that the reason the Green Goblin went after Gwen Stacy was one to to mess with Spider Man, but two kill two birds with one stone, get rid of this woman who's going to reveal his illicit relationship to the board of investors. And also it'll let him, you know, collect these twins and raise them as his own. Uh, and, and w- which he does. So he, he raises these twin kids as his own, raises them to hate both Peter Parker and Spider-Man, not revealing that he knows they're one and the same, um, but raises them both to, to, to hate them both as Peter Parker is definitely their father and Spider-Man is definitely the man who killed their mother. Mm-hmm. And so that's the rest of this issue is Peter's like trying to talk to them. And every time he tries to talk to them, they like punch him in the face or something. Um, and of course we see the one who looks like Gwen is the good one. Yeah. And the one who like kind of sort of looks like Peter Parker, but now we're realizing like maybe looks more like Norman Osborn. That one of course becomes a replacement goblin. <laughs> replacement. Uh, and we get the, we get the classic like Batman is the ma- or like like Bruce Wayne is actually the mask, and we, but we actually have Norman Osborn in a recording saying this to uh, to Gabriel, mm-hmm. going like like you're gonna put on this mask and the mask will become you and you will be the mask and the face you wear beneath the mask will be your real mask that the other people see mask. <laughs> <laughs> just I mean, just, <laughs> like this guy says mask a lot for a dead guy. <laughs> Not bad for a dead guy. I don't think he's actually dead. I think he's in jail at this point. But he's <laughs> the point remains. Like, that's right. Probably <laughs> not. <laughs> so we have all of this. We have the big reveal. Gwen Stacy cheated on Peter Parker. Wanted to tell him. Couldn't tell him because Peter was in Canada. Damn oh, yeah, you. Modern technology <laughs> in Canada, we all know. So he's unreachable. <laughs> that's right. She couldn't call him on the phone. <laughs> that's right. Well, Canadians don't yeah, well, the, have the explanation there is, is she she calls him. He yeah, doesn't answer. Yeah, so she calls Aunt May and Aunt May is like, oh, he's in Canada. Um, and she's like, do you have a number? And she goes, no. <laughs> Which like it, that seems like a Peter Parker move to be like, Aunt May, I'm going to Canada. And she's like, oh, where can I call you? And by the time she says that, he's gone. He swung away. There's <laughs> he's just a, like a tumbleweed left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> he and Logan are partying at some Tim Hortons. Deadpool pops in <laughs> and says, let's do shots. That's right. Can we pick up some chimichangas? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, well, basically, the, this is whole, like, it's a, it's a bunch of issues. Six issues long arc of one, like, one and a half of the issues is mary jane in this play and like inexplicably there's a scene where she's like i have something important to do because she has to go tell her husband that she knows who the father of his illegitimate children actually is um and the one actor is like well she's a stuck-up princess she used to be a model and so she thinks she's better than us she won't go out for drinks afterward and all of his castmates are like hmm and he's like, well, you all agree, don't you? And they're like, yeah, we actually just had that discussion. And they chase him around and hit him with their scripts. <laughs> like, what is that scene? It's, it's, it's nonsense. Why is that? <laughs> it's nonsense. Like, no, first of all, none of the play stuff had to be in these issues. No. It doesn't do anything for the story. And even more so, that scene, they're like, oh, we need to spend two pages. How can we do that? What if we had a bunch of actors chase around another actor and whack him with their scripts like he was a <laughs> naughty dog? Bad boy. <laughs> so end of the day they fight spider-man one of them ends up getting shot by the cops also (laughs) (laughs) peter parker has to give a blood transfusion to the chick who looks like gwen stacy now she her well that's the other thing too they have goblin blood in them and so that goblin blood is making them it's increased their healing factor a lot but it's also rapidly aging them and so they're just going to die in a few years just just of old age um and so they need something to help them. Their plan is just to kill Peter Parker and Spider-Man and and then go on with their lives for the next few years and die. Um, but what ends up happening is both of them find cures. Uh, it's that Sarah finds the cure in Peter's blood that allows him to, just like conveniently, he was talking with Gwen Stacy and he found out that they both have the same blood type. So he knows his blood type will work. Mm-hmm. And so he gives them a blood transfusion and his Spider-Man blood fights off the goblin blood and saves her life or something. (laughs) (laughs) There's a scene where we see like Spider-Man fighting the goblin in muscle fibers or something. It's weird. Uh, Yeah. The the, the whole thing. Like, and that was, and then go ahead. And and then Gabriel finds his way down into the sewers and he's like, he's like, there's a map and it showed us to the sewers and we're going to meet in the sewers and Sarah would come here, but she's dead. I'm sure of it. And he goes down and this is where Norman Osborn's like, you are the mask and the goblin. What is you? Yeah. And uh, take the, and he's like, take this drug and it'll definitely make you crazy. <laughs> he like, he like actually says like, you're going to devolve into madness, but madness is better than death. Right. <laughs> Which like maybe, uh, except if the madness makes you into a serial killer. In that case, death is better than madness. <laughs> so he takes, of course, he takes the goblin serum, and supposedly that saves him, but it also makes him mad. He throws on the uh, the hobgoblin costume uh, that's down in the sewer just waiting for him, and he flies out on his, on his uh, glider. Peter is spent from giving most of his blood to this chick, and so he's not really ready to fight, but of course he gets swooped up from the hospital room, and... Uh, Gabriel's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, I'm going to lay on this roof because I'm, I'm really messed up. Yeah. And, uh, and at the same time, he's like, well, we're both going to kill you because Sarah came out on the roof of the hospital to, uh, with a gun. And he's like, oh, great. Now Sarah's going to shoot me in the head and that'll be it for Peter Parker. <laughs> but of course, she's like, Gabriel, you go away. Peter, save me. And he's not our father and he's a good man. Right. And, uh, and so, of course, Hobgoblin Gabriel is mad about this. There's no fight whatsoever. She fires one shot. It messes up the glider. He spins out of control into the ocean. And we're like, okay, this is a Team Rocket moment. Um, we're just like, conveniently, the villain goes away at the end. And it's all hugs and woo And then, of course, we later see Gabriel wake up on the beach without a memory. Because he's the uh, he's the chicken in Family Guy whose eye always opens after the fight. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and, like, yeah, I mean, so this whole thing just... It's just it's bad. Yeah, so so cringe factor cringe factors here. What are your what are your big cringe factors? Just for me it's the inconsistency throughout the stories. Like it's just so all over the place. 
Well, it's the whole thing is a soap opera. Like everything is meant to be super dramatic. Even the things that aren't dramatic, like like Mary Jane gets a part in a play and it's played up as this most dramatic thing that's ever. They're both crying. She's crying. And then he's like, I'm crying. And he's like, but I don't cry because I'm very butch. And you're like, what a weird thing to say. <laughs> <man."> <laughs> you're like, I forgot 2004 was the old West. <laughs> so that, that, that so, one's a big one for me. The other one is the the Gwen Stacy like hooking up with. Osborne, I, I just, I just—they don't really write it to make it make sense, because <laughs> like it's just like I felt his strength and magnetism. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, and you're like, mm, that doesn't feel right. And then you spend all of this time talking about how much you love Peter and how you know Peter loves you so much that he will forgive you and raise Norman Osborne's children as his own. Yeah. So she is so convinced of that. That's how much she loves Peter. And yet, the strength and magnetism of Norman Osborn, she immediately falls into the sack with him. Like, <laughs> just yeah, just it makes it no does sense. feel like a betrayal of her character. Betrayal of her character <laughs> and makes it has no direction to it. Like that's yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's just a way to get drama into this. Yeah. Like let's let's make let's make Gwen Stacy one a cheater and two have these illegitimate children but also they need to be a threat to peter so how do we do that let's make them age faster and again the explanation for this is norman osborne has blood that allows him to rapidly heal Mm -hmm. rapidly heal not rapidly age but somehow she's like the way my goblin blood interacted with gwen stacy's weak blood made you not only rapidly heal but also rapidly age and we're just like okay i guess like it's it's a convenient plot device that allows there to be like a time limit on how long these kids can actually hunt Peter Parker down and also allows them to be at an age where they could they could potentially fight Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, although wouldn't it have been way better to watch a couple of 6-year-olds with superpowers try and fight Spider-Man? Like wouldn't that have been a better story? I mean, <laughs> I could support it. That's right. I could definitely support that. I'd be on board with a story like that. In fact, I'm going to And you could call story. it the Sinister Six. <laughs> Sinister Six. <laughs> and it's just six-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're like, oh, man, great. This is an issue with Rhino. And you're like, wait, there's no Rhino in this. Where's Doc Ock at? There's a bunch of toddlers. <laughs> bunch of six-year-olds are not toddlers, <laughs> Alex. Six-year-olds are not toddlers. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of children running around throwing toys at me. <laughs> no, I like to imagine they're still very competent assassins. <laughs> they just happen to be six. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Steven, any big uh, cringe-tastic moments that kind of stick out to you? I mean, we pretty much already covered it. It's, it's To me, it was just, <clears throat> I don't know, lazy writing probably is what I would describe it as, where like they just you know, kind of butchered the backstories and it's always, you know, it's risky enough trying to change a backstory or add new depth to it, but it's even more so when you just kind of make Peter and Mary Jane make, or Peter and Gwen Stacy make decisions they would never normally make. So it's just, to me, it was just lazy writing, convenient plot points. It was just really, I don't know, it wasn't so much cringy as it, as it was just like poorly written in my opinion. Right. Yeah, well, if you do that, if you like, I don't care if you rewrite a character's backstory. I don't care if you add more weird stuff. I mean, they're superheroes. Weird stuff happens to them all the time. But you have to explain it, right? Like, there still has exactly, to be rules yeah. in this world. And you're like Gwen Stacy, who's dead now, so she can never redeem herself. Um, although, you know, like eventually she redeems herself. But the, like Gwen Stacy, at this point, she's dead. She can't redeem herself. And so the story is, let's just throw in a curveball. Where she, like, also slept with yeah, Norman exactly. Osborn. That's that's what it is. It's <laughs> not so like it is cringy for sure, but it's just like, I mean, anybody, any writer could take a story and just be like, here's some shocking stuff to fill it with. But I mean, like you said, it's like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it, and also, illegitimate <laughs> children is like 
the laziest yeah. soap opera thing that's happened. It's not like it's brand new. They're like, oh, yeah, what if he had illegitimate children? And people are like, illegitimate children? What's that? You'll have to explain that and, term to me. And, <laughs> and I feel like all that this really did was, like, make a pain in the ass for writers who, like, pick up Spider-Man afterwards. And I'm like, well, now I've got to deal with, like, what the fact that, like, when Stacy had illegitimate children, Peter threatened people's life over it, you know, and all that stuff. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like this writer's created continuity issues that they'll probably have to retcon. So it's just... I don't know. It's just like any any writer can be shocking, but like you said, Graham, it's like it should still be consistent with the character and and anything that's like shocking needs to be supported with, you know, like an actual backstory or reason. Yeah, and and, and there is a problem there. Like I understand that if you're going to write this in to a point where it would actually make sense, it would probably require at least a full issue of like watching Norman woo Gwen Stacy. Yeah, like explaining. Uh-huh. But you yeah. got to do the work. You can't yeah. just be like, let's skip it because I don't want to write that. Well, and, and both, yeah, <laughs> and the Green Goblin's always supposed to be just, you know, very unappealing. I and mean, that's why they cast Willem Dafoe <laughs> in the role. He's not supposed to be like. You don't think Willem Dafoe's a <laughs> handsome mean... man? <laughs> I wouldn't say. Oh. Anyway, one of ten for me. That's my rating. Don't read this one. Or do. I don't know. I mean, if it, I'm just a guy in a podcast, read whatever guy. you want. <laughs> yeah, <I'm not. laughs> no, I'm. Uh, All right, I, yeah, I'm glad we read through it, but not touching it again. Not touching it again. <laughs> so, so next week, I, 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 we have my book on this theme. We're continuing our theme for the month of September, which is again cringe tastic comics. Uh, and next week, we're going to be talking about Marvel. So that's, that's M-A-R-V-I-L-L-E. Uh, we're going to do issues number one through three, although you could read issues one through seven and, and get the full gist of this train wreck. Um, just a, This is written by Bill Jemis, who was the uh, who was the president of Marvel at the time. Artist here is Mark Bright. Uh, this is part of Marvel's 2002 You Decide event where they pit three books against each other. This is, uh, this is Bill Jemis is, is pitted against Peter David and Ron Zimmerman. Um, and, and the whole idea there was this bet about who could sell more books, like who knew how to bring more readers into the company of Marvel. Uh, so they, they pit uh, Peter David's book, Captain Marvel, which which absolutely won this contest uh, heading away. And then we have Marvel here uh, by Bill Jemis, who had never written a comic book before. And uh, this was just a, a way of an executive to say, I know how to do your job better than you do. And it definitely lost this bet. So this Marvel is a parody book satirizing the comic book industry conventions and trends. In the year 5002, Ted Turner and Jane Fonda have a son named Cal AOL, uh, which is a pun on Cal-El if you didn't pick that up, um, whom they send back to the year 2002 to save him. Because they believe a meteor will strike the Earth and destroy it, uh, AI attempts, or sorry, not AI, Al, <laughs> attempts to become a superhero. I think that should be Cal. I think I just writ that, wrote that incorrectly. But uh, a Cal attempts to become a superhero despite his lack of superpowers and becomes friends with uh, Rich and were with a cab driver named Mickey and a police officer named Lucy. I'm getting lost in my own writing here. Um, although he becomes rich and famous for capturing criminals, he is upset that crime is still rampant. So he's he's capturing his criminals. Crime still continues to be rampant. Um, while in the year 5002, the world's not actually destroyed because Ted Turner is incompetent. Uh, and so Ted Turner sends the time machine back to his son so he can come home. Instead, his son uses the time machine to travel to the dawn of creation and meet God uh, so that he can determine the proper meaning of life and the nature of morality so that he can be a proper hero. And if all that didn't draw you in, uh, there's boobs on the cover. So uh, that's the big one. Right you, there. Uh, you're in for a treat. I, I, I'm just reading that description <laughs> alone. Just, I'm very excited to read this. Yeah, this is going to be a it's fun a, read for sure. It's a train wreck of a book. Uh, and, and we can talk a little bit more about the backstory of the bet um, next issue, next uh, episode. That is, but uh, it's it's a wild story in real life and a wild story in the comic book, uh, and I think it fits perfectly with our cringe-tastic, cringe-tastic month. Yeah. No, I'm excited, I'm excited for it as well. Well, any parting thoughts, boys? Um, uh, you know, sometimes uh, it's exciting to. You know, read some of the, you know, less good comics to give you an appreciation for good writing and kind of all the work that goes into it. 
Yeah, I mean, it's uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, these guys have a vision and a, a goal when uh, writing these comics. And I think, you know, I can always appreciate the effort that goes into, even if I don't appreciate the story or the, you know, whatever. I can always appreciate the effort that goes <laughs> into it because it's it's more creative than what I could do. So, I you know, I, I respect it on that front. That's right. Don't fall into the trap of thinking you yes. can write a comic book. <laughs> Although, if you're inspired to write a comic book, do it. Just just assume your first couple of tries are going to be bad, right? And we'll get better <laughs> yeah. as time goes on. It's not as easy uh, as it looks. With that, being said, <laughs> with that being said, we hope you continue your struggle uh, to get better at whatever it is you do. We hope that you enjoy uh, Cringetastic Comics because we got a whole month of, uh, well, really crappy comics coming at you. Uh, we hope that you uh, follow us on Instagram, Make Mine Paperback. Follow us on Twitter at Make Mine Paperback. Follow Alex on Twitter. Go ahead, Alex. Sheer 90 Sheer 90 Follow me on Twitter at Graham underscore Giles. Follow Stephen into back alleys and murder his parents so that he has a superhero backstory. And uh, we hope that you enjoy murdering Stephen's parents. Uh, we hope that you... Uh, have had sex more times than Batman, and we hope that you go to your local comic shop. We hope you approach the counter and tell the person at the counter, make mine paperback. We'll see you next week. <laughs>